Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, well, very pleasant. Good morning to you, fun seekers. How you doing? Uh, this is uh, OneRadioNetwork.com. My name would be Patrick Timpone, and it is the 16th of the month. And um, it's first, third, or it's one of those Wednesdays, <laughs> the third Wednesday. And Dr. Richard Massey is in the green room. He's looking pretty cool. He's got this Francis Ford Coppola film look to him, film noir. And uh, so we're going to meet him in just a moment. Uh, there's a couple people beyond tomorrow. A man by the name of Darko Valchenek. I've read some of his blogs on fasting, on, on, uh, on diet, and really cool stuff. He lives in the Amazon rainforest. That's right, he does. So he'll be here tomorrow. And also Leslie Gilbert tomorrow. She's a lady who's written a book. Said, you are your own expert. Don't, don't go to any experts because you know what you're doing. I like it. I like that. Uh, Dr. Shandri, she's an Ayurvedic doctor. And uh, she's got um, uh, work that's been the link between several types of bacteria in the gut and depression and our state of consciousness. Whoa, um, bugs have all ears. Uh, and then Dr. Philip um, Ovida, he was going to be here today, but he got called into surgery again. This is take three. He's a MD and a heart surgeon, and uh, he's written a lot about what he thinks clogs up those arteries that he goes in and cleans up and bypasses and myocardial infarctions. Isn't that a great word? Dr. Philip Oveda, and he will be here on Wednesday. So we've got a full week of shows for you. If you'd like to join us at any time, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com or 888-663-6386. Now, to the great state of formerly Texas is now Austin, which is its own community. It's going to secede from the Union. Uh, and is Dr. Richard... <laughs> uh, how are you doing with all those woke kids up there in Austin? Everybody got behaving themselves and being nice to you? Yes, yes. I'm mainly hanging out at the Casa de Luz community, so it's a good group of people. Oh, Casa de Luz. Tell folks about that. It's a really cool little macro-neurotic restaurant, huh? And, <laughs> and, and they've, been, they've been there like 25 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I don't know about this location, but they've been doing it 37 years. Uh, wow. So Wyo, who was one of the beginning people, it started out as an alternative school. Yeah. And uh, then people got into macrobiotics to feed the kids the most nutritious learning lunches. And then the adults started eating it and they thought, wow, that's a great idea. And, and so now this is a big place but it's technically not a restaurant, it's a school cafeteria. Huh. And so everybody comes there, we get the same food, you get it on a little tray, just like you did <clears throat> in school, mm -hmm. and then you go sit at a table with people you don't know. Just like school, uh, just like school. Just like in school, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. so the variety is not in the food, uh -huh. The variety is in the conversation uh, and the conditions, right? But the food and is really good, though. I mean, 
Uh, I think oh, it's, yeah. it's grains and vegetables and soups, if I recall. But it's very yes. tasty, you know, just really spot on, right? Yeah, it's really good stuff. And the people who make it wow. uh, are very loving people. And you get to see them chopping the food and mm -hmm. cooking the food right there in the place uh, because it's a school cafeteria. People breastfeed their babies and there's a playground outside and it, it feels uh, feels natural. Yeah. Uh, and folks, you should see this place. It's, uh, it's in South Austin where all the hippies used to live. And now uh, Elon Musk just bought the whole place. And just kidding. And uh, it's near Barton Springs. There, you know, at the Barton Springs Road in the. And there's a little juice place across the street, you know, on Barton Springs. And it's a great place. You can get all kinds of juices. And um, do you still go down to Barton Springs and do the the cold water dips? I do. I went snorkeling just the other day and. Uh, and it's nice because there's not much traffic on the water now, you know, now that it's winter time. Yeah. And there's these little fish about this long, and they have a little stripe on the side of them that shines when the sun is coming through. Oh. And there's hundreds of them. And if I get in the right spot, they'll just spin around me back and forth. Like they'll just stay in their little pattern, and I get to watch them do that. And, and they uh, play with, yeah. And tell folks yeah. about Barton Springs, what that is. That's pretty cool. So Barton Springs, I don't know a, a lot about it. All, all I know is it's a beautiful place to go swim and play. And there's a whole culture that's built up around there. They have a big meadow there where people gather and mm -hmm. uh, share ideas. There's drum circles uh, in the area. And, but the water is just beautiful and pristine and clear. And, uh, and it's an actual spring, right? It's an actual spring. It's an actual spring. And... Uh, there's something great about that. And people go there. It opens up really early, doesn't it? Five o'clock or something. And Yeah, there's the early lap swimmers. You know, they're mm -hmm. going to show up there in the pool. I don't go in the pool. I go below the pool where all the fish and turtles live and the water <laughs> snakes and, yeah. and egrets and cormorants and things like that. So that's my favorite is to hang out with the critters and <clears throat> try to watch them and not disturb them too much. So this type of time of the year, uh, the water is very, really cold. Probably 45, you think, something like that? So, you know, I don't know how cold the water is, but strangely, on a cold day, the air is colder than the water. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, the trick is getting out of the water, uh, you know, and uh, getting dried off before the freezing sets in. Yeah. Uh, Does the water feel like really cold when you're in there? It does. I mean, I have to do some adjusting. Mm -hmm. You know, I got, my body talks to itself. and um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's not a... Honestly, I don't think it's a great thing to do to, to swim in cold water. You don't, really. It's been, it's been an irresistible urge for me, though. Uh, Jobert Renault from Recall Healing, he said, cold water is a survival threat to the human. And so if a person's doing it there, if you do it consciously like Wim Hof to sort of learn how to bypass survival urges, uh, I get that. But I think I did it because when I was born, I, I died or nearly died. And it was from a narcotic that my mother took. My little 21-year-old Southern Baptist mother was given a shot. Mm. And... As an adult, when I was a narcotic addict, 
back in um, the day. <laughs> back in the day, the the wonderful feeling about a narcotic is it makes a person feel warm all over. It's warm. it's like the closest thing to feeling warmth and love without actually having warmth and love. Is that it's what they like do? A, you mean like oxycotton and uh, stuff like that? Pain pills? You know, and and I don't know about the oral ones, but I was injecting it. And when these things are injected, um, there's a feeling of warmth. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a physical sensation of love and peace mm-hmm. comes over the body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when babies are born and they're under that influence and they're not breathing on their own, you give them a shot of something that reverses the effect of the narcotic and it feels like the blood changes into ice water. I mean, it's really an instant shocking feeling. Um, And I think when I swim in cold water, I'm repeating the feeling of what happened at my birth. Interesting. So... You were an anesthesiologist, right? When, yes. When you played doctor, and mm-hmm. how did you, how did you all know that the baby was under the narcotic than the mom? How would how would you know to give him that shot to turn him to cold? Yeah. So now the turning to cold is not what you're looking for. That's oh, just one of the just one of the, the things side that effects does. that happens. Uh, so a narcotic, so. Back in the day, when my great-grandfather was selling medicines and goods in Florida <laughs> back in 1905, yes. um, and he was a farmer, he didn't know, he just got a great job for once in his life, and he was dead less than two years later, hmm. um, and there's no story about how or why. But when I googled medicines that were sold back then, before there were regulations, the colic drops for babies were actually morphine. The what? And the colic drops? Were morphine. So you drop morphine in the baby's oh, mouth. Oh, morphine. I didn't understand the word. I thought you said morphine. Yeah. Morphine? Yeah. For colic? Morphine. Whoa. Yeah. For colic and for coughing, anything that was distressing. And you drop in this morphine, and of course it stops the bowels, so the colic will stop. And it'll stop the coughing, even if you need to cough. It'll stop you from coughing. Uh and it really slows down the breathing. Uh, it allows a person to tolerate higher levels of carbon dioxide in their body without feeling an urge to breathe. Which is good, right? It's good if you are if you have altitude sickness all of a sudden. That's one of the things they give you. They give you a shot of steroids and a shot of a narcotic and get you back down the mountain as fast as they can. Um, but but uh, I don't want to interrupt too much, and I'll get back to the baby, but sure. isn't it? Uh, Dr. Ray Pete used to talk a lot about how retaining more carbon dioxide was really good for us, and you could actually buy CO2 in a tank and put it in a body bag, so to speak, and fill yourself up and soak more CO2. And you do that by uh, more slow breathing, like buteco breathing, where you're just going... Yes. And you're retaining carbon dioxide, which he always said, and others, that that's good for the body. Oh, he just froze up. He'll come back. He okay, yeah, now I hear you. He froze for a moment. Yeah, so, what do you think? Yeah. Sure, so I'll, I'll leave that aside. Okay. And 
So as an anesthesiologist, I also gave anesthesia to women with emergency C-sections. And often the babies would come out under the influence of certain medicines. That you had to give them for the the Uh C-section? Wow. Uh Uh-huh. And so you can tell that a baby needs the shot to reverse things because they're just not going to breathe on their own. The, the medicines are depressing their little sensitive breathing center. They're not breathing on their own. So you give them this shot, and it changes instantly from this warm feeling inside, like still being in the womb, right. to, to just coming out into an ice bath. Uh, just The blood just changes from warm to cold. Mm. And, of course, then the breathing starts, and that's what you're looking for, and the the little one's going to make it, going to start breathing on its own. But the experience is, um, it sets in deeply when something happens at the time of birth. And I've never liked being in cold water. Really? I've always, I've always disliked it, but I can't resist it. And it was only recently that I started putting this together, that that's what I'm up to, you know? Um, and, and it's, it's generally, I mean, there's been things like rebirthing where people rebirth and you, you mm-hmm. work with folks, but you really believe with all the work that you do that when we experience something at birth um, that we, that we kind of have that in our state of consciousness and we'll revisit that and not want to visit it or make it a thing, make it or something for a long time until yeah. we get clear on it, right? Until we get clear. Yeah, yeah, and and that was it. You're right. You picked up that other piece of it. The situation was not what anybody wanted at the time. So that yeah. that's also a piece of it. So when I get in the cold water, it's not what I want. Oh, because I'm, as I'm, a baby, you experienced the doctors and the nurses and the anesthesiologists yes. going, "Hey, well, yeah. what's going on here with this kid?" I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, all the energy of the whole room. You know, this is not what we're looking for. Right. You know. Right. right. And. So I I go through replaying that. Oh, here's some cold water. I don't want to get in it, but, you know, I'm going to get in it anyway and, and uh, feel all the contraction of the muscles and uh, try to loosen up and come alive and enjoy myself, which I eventually do, and that's eventually what happened uh, at my actual birth. So, um, so then, yeah. then the, the, the cold water now could be more a catharsis thing where you learn how to being it without freaking out yeah so once a person becomes conscious of something it begins to you know release its grip right right isn't it fascinating how boy i see that so much in in my meditations contemplations that just becoming conscious of something that we've made a thing right i always like that word something which which infers that it's something other than you yeah and it's not and it is, you know, it's one of those conundrums. Yes. You know, and then interesting that when we become aware of it, it it just can just dissipate because it, it's not real. What's, what's your take mm-hmm. on that? Is that? Does that sound right to you? Would you have another yeah, way of, of and, saying that? And it reminds me uh, that your friend, I think his name is his name, Tom Rogers. Hi, good friend <laughs> of mine, yeah. Okay, he said go to class. I saw him at Casa de Luz. He oh, said, I, I have satsang tonight. Yeah, I have satsang. Yes, he said, remind Patrick <laughs> to show up tonight at class. So. 
Oh, good. I will. I will. <clears throat> oh, so I woke up with a really wonderful little. I think I can remember it. I have it written down for a first line of a movie, and this would be like, and the movie it would be a voiceover of a fellow getting up, maybe looking in the mirror, shaving, you know, and he says, um, "Demons." I don't have a lot of demons. Everything's filled up with fear and guilt. Wow. That's the beginning of the movie. That's the beginning. Isn't that cool? I don't have a lot of demons. Everything's filled up with fear and guilt. So we know what's going on with this guy in the first 10 seconds. Yes. And we know what he wants, which is important. And then we watch him go through things that will bring out what this fear and guilt is about. So by the end of the movie, he's not afraid or guilty. Uh, a nice, I like it. A nice opening. I like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then I had another one the night before that. I'm going to write a lot of movies. This one was really cool where this fellow is kind of at some kind of guru type guy. I don't know who he would be. Make up somebody. And he's really wanting to find just the right girl who would love him unconditionally, you know. And um, the guru guy says, "Um, do you love yourself unconditionally? And the fellow said, yeah. And he knows that he doesn't the way he said it, right? And he said, well, you just learn how to love yourself unconditionally and she's going to be right there. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's the way it works too, isn't it? I've really been yeah, thinking really a lot about myself yeah. and my relationship with Patrick. And the whole unconditional love thing is like, wow. How do yeah. you work with that, with your relationship with Richard? Mm. Mm. Well, that's a big one. And uh, so a couple of things I was going to show you today, but I've got the fuzzy virus sort of look on the computer, so I can't show you. <laughs> Did you just say the I, V word? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> they, well, they're telling me my computer, 76% of the hardware has been damaged by virus. Oh, or I like see. That. Yeah, well, you might just get an injection. You could probably do that. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have this fuzzy look today. So I was going to hold some stuff up to the you know, camera so you could see it. Well, but, we could try if uh, you want. Yeah, well, you know, I tried it earlier. It doesn't show up. Let me put like, you, you on know, the full screen. It's too fuzzy. Oh, yeah, you know, it's just it's, too fuzzy, was he? Yeah. yeah, it's too fuzzy. And so oh. I uh, I drew up my family tree with all the Charleses in it. Um, and uh, so the way, I, the way I work with things these days... Yes, sir. The project purpose and the family tree are the big parts... Um, they're the big ways I look at how to let these things release me that I innocently inherited. Um, all of us have an innocent inheritance that happened between conception and one year old. Uh, we got downloads. Uh, we got inheritance from people we're named after. So today is the calendar anniversary of my great-grandfather, Charles. Hmm. Charles is also my first name. Um, so Charles, my great-grandfather, Charles, 
on his death certificate, it said that the doctor visited him every day for 15 days, and then he died of the flu. Oh. Uh, they found him dead on January 16th, uh, 1927. And my mother was conceived at about that time. So my mother was conceived in the sorrow of her mom grieving for her father. Uh, <clears throat> and so when I become aware of those patterns and I put them on my calendar so that I remember when January 16th is coming up that this is his anniversary, I'll, I'll say sentences like, thank you for being my grandmother's dad. Oh. You know, you're the right father for her. And whatever else seems to to flow about that. Thank you for passing the gift of life forward. Thank you for your courage and finding a way to continue, even though you were the quote illegitimate child um, of your parents, your biological parents, um, and. Uh, even though you were separated from your father and you found a way to go through life and become a father. And he was a generous man from, from what I knew. He, he donated a lot of his land uh, to the Baptist church for the cemetery there. Um, and uh, I only have one little photo of him. You can't really see much close up. It's a faraway picture of him sitting on the porch in a, a rocking chair um, and uh, so Charles means free man huh. it means it means uh, that a person is a free man or they have come to free men from something and I think it was my destiny to meet Charles Farr the MD PhD uh, because he showed me the treatment for Charles Four, my great grandfather, the fourth generation back, uh, when he gave me that first ultraviolet IV I had when I was really sick with the flu and pneumonia. Uh, I got sick at his conference. I went there to learn how to set up a holistic clinic, got really, really ill. That's how I would say it in the old language. But what really happened is I solved a conflict so remember, when we get the flu, it means we solved a conflict. Because we're detoxing deep. something, right? <clears throat> well, what it meant was I knew I was quitting anesthesiology. And so I was getting out of all the disputes with the hospitals, all the disputes with people I worked with, mm -hmm. all the disputes of everything associated with Western medicine. I was moving away from all of that. And so it was a gigantic healing of many disputes just by leaving the hospital and learning how to set up a holistic clinic. And so when my body repaired itself from that, it was massive. I mean, I was really in trouble. And uh, they did that uh, ultraviolet and peroxide IV on me. And in nine minutes, I was functional. I went from gray to pink. All the doctors who witnessed it were astounded. Um, hmm. And I thought, man, I'm getting one of these. And so 
that was back in 1997. So this is coming up on 26 years after that first ultraviolet IV. And I've never had a single person with what we call acute infection who did not completely resolve after doing an ultraviolet IV. And this has been known in the literature since the 1930s at Johns Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic. Hmm. It was published that the ultraviolet reversed polio way before the polio epidemic. So this corona thing was simply a repeat of the same energy as the polio epidemic. Same thing. We pretended, we pretended there was nothing out there that could help. Oh, we're all helpless. We have to get this vaccine. When the whole time there's a 30-minute IV that will completely resolve it that has no side effects, it has only side benefits. Well, I think the reason I learned about that was the blessings that came through my great-grandfather. So when somebody dies, they, they become a conduit of blessing for their descendants not to suffer and die that way. So my great-grandfather Charles saw to it that I found an actual answer for people who were suffering for two weeks of the flu, must have been horrible, miserable, so that I don't have to be in misery like that, and nobody I know has to be in misery like that. So I'm grateful to him today for being a conduit for that blessing. Oh, that's great. Really wonderful story. Gratitude is really a big deal, right? This is the big one. And that's when we know we've been released. When the old pattern has released, the feeling of that release is called gratitude. 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 So, just on the physiological level, um, could it, could the ultraviolet light be cleaning up the the boogie bears, whatever they are, that are coming out, if we're really detoxing and we don't catch something? Could they be cleaning that up? Is that why it would work? Because... There's no evidence there really is some virus running around, you know. Yeah, and so you know what, what I've seen, yeah, and I, I'm with you there. Okay. And and I'm sad to use the old language. It's just what most people are used to. I understand. Um, I understand. And uh, virologists, many virologists will admit in public and publish it that they cannot tell the difference between an external virus and an exosome that's made by my own stem cells. Right. There is no difference so, there, is there? Right, right. Yeah. So, I, it's my, the way I put it together is that when I was repairing from that, I'm leaving the disputes associated with anesthesia, which is about my birth. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, because right because anesthesiologist i was repeating giving huge doses of pain medicine to people and until they couldn't breathe and i was doing that on purpose well that's what happened accidentally at my birth Hmm. had too much pain medicine and couldn't breathe so my job is to do a continual resuscitation of the person while they're asleep while they're having their appendix removed and whatever but i'm repeating my birth story Well, at the time, I didn't know that. So I was so caught up in it. It was there was no satisfaction 
uh, in it. I felt scared every time I gave somebody those medicines and made them stop breathing. You have like two or three minutes to hook them up to a breathing machine or some brain cells start to get unhappy. Oh, good. Uh, oh. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And and I had a, at one point a uh, professor who'd been trained in Britain and uh, one who'd been trained in New Zealand. And man, Patrick, you should see how they they do things. I mean, their operating rooms were on a, such a fast schedule that we would be in the hallway with people, not even in the operating room hooked up to the monitors. And we would knock them out in the hallway and then run them in there like a NASCAR thing and hook them up, you know? And it was like, whoa, that was like, that was like crazy scary for me, but I was glad they were there. Um, I, I never did that on my own. That was too much. But I was compelled to repeat every aspect of my birth story. Hmm. Um, and it turns out everyone does the same thing. So if someone has a wonderful birth story, they'll keep repeating wonderful things. Uh, they may not even understand why. They'll just think, oh, good fortune has come to me, you know? And, and I, I think that's great. Um, and then others, not so much. They keep repeating traumatic things and don't understand why. So rebirthing is, can be vital for those of us who had issues at our birth um in a lot of ways to do that so yeah, there's actually people um practitioners that do the whole rebirthing progress uh, process right yes mm. yes when i took family constellation training over 20 years ago um they took one weekend just to do a rebirthing with us and that was the most relief I've ever felt in my body really uh, was that rebirthing exercise. It was, he turned down the lights and put on the sound of the, of the uterus that <laughs> it sounds like blood rushing through and then talked us through the development from conception all the way up to nine months and what we were developing and how big we were getting. And, and then somebody would kind of just push on us like the uterus would push on us. And we, the person next to us would make a circle with their arms. It's all done on the floor and would push us through this circle. And then on the other side, all the people were waiting and somebody had like a water bottle with a, a nipple on it and, and they would grab us and feed us. And all the people would sit around and go, welcome to this world. Oh. And, oh, I know. I mean, I thought, I thought I was in heaven when that happened. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was just so incredible. Isn't that fascinating how these kind of experience, which one could call a spiritual exercise or meditation or contemplation, where you're actually thinking and imagining, has this kind of effect on our being? But it really does, doesn't it? That's, that's, yes, it that's does. how it works. Our state yes. of consciousness is like, whew. everything, wow. I've never done that. That'd be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So we we occasionally do things like that at our family constellation gathering. So so last week, and I haven't heard of anybody doing this. I'm gonna have to talk with my friend uh, 
and see if uh, see what they think about it. But I I set up three chairs in the room about six feet apart, and I put my hands on the first chair and said, anybody who's attracted to this chair, it would be useful for them to work on the family dynamic of when their parents first realized they were pregnant with them. So that was chair number one. Chair number two, six feet apart, was this chair, if anybody's drawn to this chair, it's people who would benefit from working with the family dynamics at labor and delivery. Hmm. And then chair number three was for infancy. If someone would benefit from working with what happened in the family dynamics at infancy. So that when we then uh, let people choose their chair without telling them what each chair was, and then we set up them and their mother and their father, we had three people stand in and just see how the relationship in general was. And then I would say, okay, now we're going back in time. And I would hand something to the one representing the mother because none of them know who they're representing. So I would hand something to the one representing the mother and say, this is your positive pregnancy test. Hmm. And the, the family dynamics completely changed. What do, what do you mean the family dynamics? The, the, rela- the, the energy in between the three people? The re- so, so the relationship between the person representing the father, mother, and child completely changed for people who had traumas around that. Uh, for people whose parents were, oh my gosh, we're surprised at this pregnancy, or oh my gosh, we weren't ready to be pregnant at this moment. So, like, they're the the two representing the parents would just make a distance from each other. You know, it's like, wow, we're kind of in shock here. Um, and so, becoming aware that that dynamic happened, and that the fetus will inherit that in the nervous system, not in the heart. The heart is beyond that. The heart has access to something greater that's beyond. Mm -hmm. The nervous system is reacting to the energies between the parents at these different times and will actually carry imprints of those for the rest of the person's life unless they get reprogrammed. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So here's the idea. So let's say this person is a first pregnancy. And the issue with the person is they're afraid to find a partner and get in a relationship that could lead to having a child. Well, now you see why. So when you hand the pregnancy test to the parents and they weren't ready for it and they split up, what got imprinted in this person's subconscious is, If I take a woman and get her pregnant, we're going to part. We're going to have to go through this painful separation because that's what happened when my parents found out they were pregnant. And it's going to happen again, right? It's going to happen again, Hmm. right? Hmm. And so noticing that pattern and then going through a process where we return that pattern to mom and dad and say, thank you for the gift of life. And I agree that the gift of life came to me with these energies and these dynamics. And now 
I leave this story back at this place and time with you two, because somehow this story is the right story for you two, because that's what you lived out. And I ask you, will you bless me when I take a partner and consider having a child or a creative project, creative projects like a child, like screenplays like a child. Mm -hmm. if, if I create without having that same sense of separation from what's vital to me, is that okay with you, mom and dad? Will you bless me for that? And of course, from the heart level, they say yes. Of course. And, but we have to feel that. There's something about us humans. We have to really feel them say that. Yeah, yeah. Or act it out in a ceremony. And then it's like, oh, so then the nervous system reprograms around that event. Now I can see my creative project in a completely different way. It's not going to lead me to some separation with someone I love in order to create a project, in order to create a child. Hmm. Hmm. It's really beautiful. It's just wonderful how you people like yourself have figured all this out and see how it all works. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, we can go through life and have these little issues about having a hard time doing this or that, and we don't, we don't yes. really understand why. You know, it's just... Man, I have yes. a hard time doing that, you know. And, and yes, I just, yes. I don't know why. <laughs> I know. And deep down, what we see is it's a loyalty love to our mother and our father. Loyalty and love to our mom and our dad. The way they were back at that time. Mm -hmm. That's how the nervous system is programmed. I'm going to continually manifest love for my mother and father, how they were back at that time. When I was born. Yes, or when they found yeah. out they were pregnant with you, or yeah. during the infancy, during that whole continuum of when the nervous system programming is set in place. I'm going to continually show the person how much I love my mother and father back at that time. So there's no such thing as a person having a character defect there's no such thing as something being psychologically wrong with the person. No. What's really going on is they're showing love for the two people who gave them life and the exact way it happened. And when we see that, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother way to love them. It becomes instantly apparent that that's the first way to love was the way it was set down during the pregnancy and infancy. That's the first way to love. And there are other ways to show love. And we have their blessing to find these new ways. Wow. And um, I really like what you said, and I'm going to do a break and then we'll talk about it, but we have to feel it. And uh, yeah, yes. let's dig into that because yes. that's really cool. Uh, stay right there. Yeah. Good stuff. Dr. Richard Massey, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. And uh, we've been uh, promoting this product. We'll be back. If you have a question for Dr. Massey, you can call 888-663-6386. Email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Have uh, some cool people tomorrow. Uh, a fellow from the uh, Amazon Rainforest about diet, nutrition, fasting, 
um, really interesting fellow, and also a lady who says that we are the experts, nobody else. And that's kind of a great idea. Uh, we've been promoting this product for probably 10 years. If you'd like to get some, you can get some right now. Previously with chemist, biologist, and nutritionist George Altgelt, we asked him this. And so what do you think about Dr. Seneff's contention that as these glyphosates are in the soil, they bust the self-recycle, and that's really detrimental to the body? It's extremely detrimental. Uh, sulfur is such an important detoxifying agent for the entire body and especially for the liver. You've got to have trace minerals so that the liver can build these compounds that are essential for getting itself cleaned. And that lady who was talking about sulfur, mm-hmm. man, play that ad every chance you get because our foods are so deficient in sulfur and it is a big deal for the liver to have enough sulfur to make all those compounds that it uses to detoxify itself. Not just sulfur. They're all important, but sulfur is the one that we're so deficient in, and we need sulfur. Thanks, George. I had some this morning. You? You might want to give it a try. You can click an order right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. Three locations, three prices delivered. And if you'd like more than four pounds for a discount, email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. I think I'll turn on my mic. Indeed, what we like to do is we make hydrogen in the morning. It's no, it's not a loaves and fishes thing where we just pray over it. But you can do that. But you can do that too. But we have a really cool machine called Holy Hydrogen, and it requires no maintenance, zero. It uses no lye, which we think this technology, which is out of Japan, and Japan is like one of the coolest places ever for um, for hydrogen machines and hydrogen technology. And a lot of the peer-reviewed studies come out of uh, China and Japan because they're really in hydrogen. Um, they're, I don't know if you know this, I'll tell you, they're in, they're in Japan, when you call 911 and they, they do the whole ambulance thing and they, they put you on hydrogen, in the ambulance as well, I think as well as oxygen, I don't know. Isn't that cool? That's how powerful it is. It's been using, used for a long time helping people to repair after a stroke, you know, these little mini strokes and folks get all clobbed up there. Very powerful technology. Use promo code One Radio for $100 off. Holy hydrogen machine. It's very quiet and you can also um, which people had asked for, one of the reasons why we changed, because people wanted to be able to finance it. And you can do that very easily. Just one click and last four digits of your social and still send it to you. You do it a payment on OneRadioNetwork.com. About seven weeks ago, no, I don't know, it was late September, we began to exercise our little muscle using this program called the X3 it was created by Dr. John Jaquish, who's been on the show, and you can check out his show on BitChute and also the audio on um, One Radio Network. And it uses variable resistance, so you see he has these latex bands. He's standing on a plate, an iron plate, and then you stretch up these bands, and then when you stretch up the band, and it doesn't take, um, um, doesn't take, pressure off of the muscle, 
you actually grow the muscles more. For example, when we do an overhead press, so I'm standing on the, I'm standing on the grate, and I have the, the steel bar, if you can imagine, with the, um, you know, with the latex, and no petroleum latex, by the way, really clean stuff. And you go like this, so you got all this pressure on your shoulders, muscles, everything, and then you bring it down, and you still have pressure, right? You still have pressure, pressure, pressure. You only go down so far. You don't go past where you would release the pressure, and then you go back up again. So this is called variable resistance. So it's different from just taking a, a weight and going like that, right? And then dropping it down like, it's really hard on the joints. And This way you don't get sore at all. It's just, and it's the quickest way to build muscle. And you don't get sore. It takes about 15 minutes a day. Check it out. It's on our front page of One Radio Network. Look for this ad. The X3, use, uh, no, no promo code there. I think it's 549 and you can finance it as well which is pretty cool. Finance it as well, very simply. The X3, uh, it's really a very, very interesting way to grow little muscles in your body, or big muscles or something like that. And they have about five different um, five different bands, so it's not like you're going to run out of bands. You could use this thing to your you know, 112, and you still would not be at the heaviest band because it's, it's hardcore. So I don't have a front page. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We are with Dr. Richard Massey, who's rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. And uh, <laughs> 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 Doc, tell uh, folks about your work now. So you obviously recall healing. Do you work with people around the country, or how do you how do you do that? So you know, I do a little bit of work, Patrick. I'm I'm mostly retired. Mostly uh, retired. Well, good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so when people, if they want recall healing, if there's a bunch of people, I recommend Michelle Dawson. You've had her on the show, right? Um, and uh, but every now and then, you know, I'm moved to to do some, and um, I'm uh, facilitating the constellations at Casa de Luz because my friend Stephanie's in Mexico. Um, so I do that and I work at a clinic up in, uh, North Austin, a oh, couple of days a month. Um, they have a, a wellness center there. Um, so I do a bit of that and, um, but it's, yeah, it's pretty low key. You're not like actively reaching out to people. Oh no, yeah. oh, no. I don't, I don't have a website. I don't advertise anything. Um, and you know, so people who contact me are mainly through your show or through word of mouth around right. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me mention real quick, I'm a great-grandfather. You're a great-grandfather, really? So I'm now a great-grandfather, Charles. Uh, my granddaughter is due in May or June. So I'm actually a great-grandfather. A great-grandfather, Charles, uh, just like my great-grandfather, Charles, who, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just realizing that today. We're, you and I are having a, a realization moment here oh, that's instead great. of an actual podcast. Yeah. This is uh, We're just realization. Uh, that's what it's about. Yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of just feeling into that a little bit. Oh, I'm, I'm now a great-grandfather, Charles. Um, yeah. Mm. 
So let's talk about feeling. Um, I've been I've been kind of working with the idea in my contemplations where I, for me, what I see, um, and I think it's like this for most people, Doc, where there's kind of like two two of us in, in here, right? Yeah. Even though there's one, kind of two. And and my my conjecture is that one is who we really are, our deep down as soul, right? The part that flips out somewhere when, when the body dies. Mm-hmm. And the other part um, is the image that Patrick has of who he is. The image. It's been called the ego and, and that, but I like it's the sure. image because I think I I create an image in my mind and heart of who I am, right? You just do. You know, I, I do a talk show and I live here and I like this and I don't like this and I want to do this and I don't want to do that. You know, an image and an idea of what we believe, what we don't believe, our state of consciousness. And that's pretty much how we operate in physical reality, right? You have yours for Richard, but then there's also this deep that people have called the higher self, or our real self, or soul, that we talk about in Ekankar, which is who we really are, right? Deep down. And I like to have a conversation between these two entities. Yeah. And my teacher talked about it as being, I love it when he said this, the most secret part of yourself is having a conversation with the most secret part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you close your eyes and you really get in there, you know, really, wow, what do you think is that possible? You know, And I'm finding that the deeper you get in feeling what you're saying, is how this brought this up. When we really feel it, that's when something happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when something, you know, like you in your in the work. For example, the other night in the contemplation, I really got that I could love myself more than I do now, even deeper. You know, more unconditional love. And if you just say it, I love myself unconditionally, it doesn't do anything. You know, it yeah. just doesn't do anything. I mean, you, for me, I had to get in there and really feel, even though there's only one, you know, technically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah even though there's only one, it feels like two, right? Because there's mm-hmm. always this dynamic. And, it, and you get yeah. in there and really know that you love whatever this person Patrick is on a deep level and you feel it. Boy, some really, wow. It's really cool. And I don't think you could do that too much. You know, I don't think you could say to yourself too much, you know, Patrick, right. you know, I really love you. You're doing great. You know? yeah. <laughs> I really, yeah, I really love you. You're doing great. Get silly sometimes, but you're doing great. Just keep on going. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that fun? Yes, it is. But that yes. feeling, feeling, I don't know, what is feeling? Feeling, it would just be more of the thoughts and the words that are, I don't know. I'd sure like to understand feeling more, what that means, I feel. 
mm-hmm. you know. I, I think when I'm having this experience with myself, I feel like this divine love is filling my being. And it is because just like, you know, you yeah. can't feel that from spirit unless you feel that with yourself, kind of like that one screenplay idea. Unless you love yourself unconditionally, not likely you're going to meet someone who loves you unconditionally. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. We should just do a yeah. dating website, love yourself unconditionally and teach you how to do that and then find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man feeling it's just <clears throat> yes life is such a uh, what a dream huh mm-hmm. shaboom shaboom yes well where do we go from here? Okay, so the image I came up with while you were talking, I was hearing it in terms of biology. And this is just the biological piece. Hmm. So right after conception, as the, as the stem cells begin to divide, one of the very earliest stem cells begins to do something strange that no one can explain. (laughs) One of the stem cells goes off on its own, right? (laughs) Here's what it does. (laughs) It begins to do something called automatic depolarization. Oh, I'm writing this down. Automatic depolarization. Yes. I like it. Okay. This one stem cell begins behaving this way. No one can explain how or why. One of the stem cells begins to automatically depolarize. Is this after it hooks up with the with the with the the boy and the girl thing or before? So so this is just like days after conception. Okay. That one of these starts to do that. And what that looks like is this, and you think about living in the world of polarity, yes, duality, and these cells are automatically depolarizing, uh, wanting to get into oneness rather than polarity. They're leaving. It's leaving the world of duality, entering into a world of non-duality, and then repolarizing back to the original and doing it again over and over and over. So the duality, non-duality, duality, non-duality, duality, non-duality in a certain rhythm. And it just begins to do this. So biology is hmm. what you're saying is the exact same thing that in this incarnation, we are both. Yes, we're both. We are in the world of duality, and we're in the stillness of union. Back and forth. Yes, yes. And there is a, 
there is an, I'm going to use this word, there is an orgasmic impulse at the membrane that does that. Oh, you mean the, the, oh, there's, there's an orgasmic there's, impulse when when we go from non-duality, uh, duality to non-duality. Yes, right. there's there's something about it that's uh, mm-hmm. ecstatic. Um, right. So so there will be these microscopic channels in the membrane, these long channels. Um, like birth canals, perhaps, huh? But there's these long channels, and at this depolarization, these sodium ions that are on the outside of the membrane just, oh, just pulse through and then come back out, and pulse through and then come back out, and the potassium on the inside pulses out and then comes back in, and pulses out and then comes back in. So you have this movement, almost almost like our intercourse movement for conception. Mm -hmm. It's like that Mm -hmm. at the membrane level, right? So this is an ecstatic movement of incarnated life. And this little stem cell just days after conception begins to mysteriously behave that way. I mean, just because it's a natural to natural movement, to go more towards uh, unity. I mean, none of the other stem cells are doing it. Oh, you it's mean in the body? A, it's just the it's just a little um, embryo, or whatever you want to call. It. So, like, let's say the embryo has thirty-two cells, thirty-two stem cells at this point. Only one of the thirty-two begins to behave like that. <clears throat> the other thirty-one aren't doing that. It's just this one right. that begins to behave that way, and no one can explain it, right? No one can explain. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. We're being pulsed. That little cell is being pulsed by something or someone. Right. Right from the beginning is being pulsed from something greater. Yes. Yes, well, that's the whole thing of spiritual growth, right? That's what it's about. So guess which organ forms around that pulsing cell? Uh, Sexual organs. Heart, the heart. See, I'm Italian, I went right for the sex. Okay, the heart. So that forms the heart, it forms the heart first. Yes, yes. Isn't that cool? And that cell becomes the pacemaker. That keeps. Yes, we're still doing that right now. We're going in and out of uh, union and duality, union and duality, union and duality. That's the story that's playing here. And it's playing it with sexual enjoyment and ecstasy. It's not like we make it in the West, like it's such a grind to get into stillness and, you know. You know, that kind of stuff. No, what's going on in biology, man, is that cell membrane is, is just making out with reality. Just making it, it out. Just go, it's going on, right? <laughs> and that's what's here, right? Isn't that great? So yeah. that's yeah, So that's why the heart is like the center of consciousness or soul or whatever. It's similar, yeah. right, when we use the term heart. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, that's where the access is to whatever that greater is. And this comes online way before this does. In the womb, this, like this, they do the heart thing first. Yes, we do the heart the thing. Physical first. formation, the heart forms and it's completely beating and functional way before the brain even starts to form. Wow! Right. So, and I, I may have mentioned this before, but Dean Radin talks about this. One of the noetic geek scientists that when people are set up with heart biofeedback and brain biofeedback in front of a computer. It's going to randomly show images that are frightening or neutral. The heart knows three to five seconds before the computer randomly chooses the image, whether it's going to be neutral or scary. The brain has no clue until it actually happens. Because the heart or soul reacts to it first. The heart already knows. The heart knows, and just knows, yeah. It already knows. It has access to something greater. And most of the communication in the human body goes from the heart to the brain, not the brain to the heart. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what happens up here, though, is the nervous system actually forms around what's going on between mom and dad from conception until one year old. That's what actually decides which neurons are going to attach to which other neurons. And it does it out of love for mom and dad. That's what we're doing there. We are in this system of three people, the Holy Trinity, father, mother, and child. Mm -hmm. Right? And our thing is to take on all the energy that's good for mom and dad and also take on all the energy that's troubling them so that they feel it less. Oh, so we take the it on early on. We're trying to help them. Trying to help them, mm -hmm. right? And it's not personal because we don't know our names yet. So the nervous system is just forming. And then when we get older and discover what our name is and who we are, we still have this programming up here that my mission in life is to keep mommy and daddy together, keep them happy with whatever they were stressed with, right? And we go through life and that programming doesn't match reality. And so it's really troubling, you know? Uh, like I'll go, uh, go out on a date with somebody and we're starting to fall in love and man, that programming kicks in while, well, like, she's mommy, and I've got to save her. And and that'll take over. It'll start my over. <laughs> you know? And yeah. And, you know, You're in divorce court back. before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> guy's crazy, man. He's trying to fix me. Okay. Yeah, so reprogramming this nervous system in indigenous cultures, that happened at puberty. That's so what they, they do. The big, yeah, yeah. They did the big village ceremony of initiation mm -hmm. and this got reprogrammed. And then this can take over because this one can see reality as it is. This one responds. This one does not react. This reacts. This does not respond. It's a reactor. It's, and it's to help me dodge the saber toothed tiger, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't die or something. But response and love and affection started way back right after conception when this little cell started doing its depolarizing 
repolarizing dance with the place of non-duality, with the place of stillness. And it jumps into the polarity with ecstasy, and it dives back into union with ecstasy, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fluid with both, right? That's beautiful. And, That's, did you just make this yeah. up or what? I mean, how do you know this? <laughs> did you just make this up? <laughs> he just made that up, folks. Now, how do you know this? I mean, there's people study this stuff and look at it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, this stuff is covered in in the billions of factoids in medical school, hmm. but we don't stop to feel anything. Yeah, well, we just go to the next fact, you know, and uh, yeah, we really slow down. So I think you really hit on something that I, I talk a lot about here, the difference between meditation which is more in the oriental or the yogic, you know, just getting quiet and observing thoughts and just, which is cool, lower. And contemplation, which is what we do, where you have these two selves, if you will, that are actually making love with each other. Yeah. Actually making love with each other. And it's like, you can meditate for 50 years and just in a cave and it's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You can do that. And I think we've all done this in past lives. I think we all did the yogic Indian thing and we know that, well, there's something else. You know, there's another step. Fascinating. Contemplation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Making love with yourself. The most in intimate thing you can do is just talk to yourself. Yes. Yes, and so the Sufis, when Coleman Barks came and read the Rumi poetry some years back. Because Rumi knew all this, right? He, this is what he talked about, Rumi. Yeah, so Coleman Barks hung out with the Sufis for quite a while before he did this translation to kind of get a feel for it. And uh, he said, in some Sufi circles, there are three pathways to the divine. Hmm. One is prayer. Prayer. And the next the next step up from that for more intimate is meditation and the step that's even more intimate than that is conversation which is contemplation it's just what you were talking about wow. earlier did he's a sufi guy said that yeah <laughs> yeah and I'm, when you look up the word conversation conversation, conversation wow. that's beautiful literally yeah, con means together or with, yeah. and verse means to turn or change. It means to turn or change together with. To turn or change together with is the word conversation. <clears throat> wow. That's what the word conversation means. Wow. Wow. Prayer, what you meditation, and conversation. Yeah, the same thing. Just what you were talking about, having a conversation within yourself. Yeah. Uh, having that conversation is, in their view, the highest path to the divine. I think he's so, right. I think that's my experience. Of course, there could yeah. be another step, but, I, you know, I mean, there's always another step. But you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is so cool. What do you think about this stuff? Uh, uh, Richard Massey and I are leaving our body here and we're not going to come back. 
triple triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six email Patrick at one radio network dot com. Wow. Um I've been thinking a lot about forgiveness too. I've noticed that in these contemplations that I'm actually the image that I have of myself is actually surrendering or melting into who I really am. Right? I'm just kind of melting into that. You know, this feels better, right? Than the duality. Yeah. This feels better. So I'm just going to hang here. And I found mm-hmm. if you really get deep into it and you really can see every movement of the mind while you're doing it, that Forgiveness is the real Da Vinci code to get you in there. Because I found for me, what was keeping me from going in deeper, right, was uh, fear, guilt, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this, this can't be real, wait a minute, this is too cool, um, <laughs> whatever whatever thoughts we've come up with in our lifetime, no, no, this would be too good. I can't go there. Uh, or going there, I don't know what's going to happen. And oh my God, all these different things. And I found that as more I, every time that comes up, I just forgive myself for having that. Because it's just a thought. It's just an idea. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it. No, you're good. Just keep going. This forgiveness thing is really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have you have experience with forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving others? Oh yeah. yeah. That's really big. It's big, isn't it? It's just like Yes. It is. We were our nervous systems were all innocently programmed hmm. to repeat certain thoughts and feelings in a cycle. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And from the heart, we look at those with compassion. Which is forgiveness, right? Forgiveness, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all, it was all programmed out of innocent, unconditional love. <clears throat> so, so when, when this um, unity happens in the in the mental world, in the you know the astral with the and everything, and then is in the brain and the body, um, mm-hmm. that that unity is a is almost like a, a mini orgasm. In a sense, it feels yeah. like it, doesn't it? It feels some ecstatic yeah. kind of thing. Not an orgasm. Orgasm with sexual activity. That's a whole other thing. But Right. Doesn't it feel like that? And maybe maybe yes. that's why people are hanging around bars looking for love in all the wrong places because there's this urge, right? Yes. There's just this yeah. urge to to you know, not necessarily sexual pleasure, but there's this urge to to become one with somebody because they're trying to do it with themselves. Yes. Does that sound right? Yes. And on 
Oh, yeah. On another level, you're now replaying why Wilhelm Reich broke away from Freud. Really? Oh, tell me that. Ah. Wilhelm yeah, Reich. So Who was he? Oh, he, Reich. Reich. Yeah, Reich was the guy who turned the Tucson desert into a grassland with his orgone device. And oh, yeah. He made the orgone boxes that was reversing cancer in people, and he could make it rain hmm. with his orgone device. If you watch the little documentary on Netflix, and he died in federal prison. Oh, um, he did. Oh, good. They didn't like him yeah, yeah. doing that. They didn't like him doing that. Right. But he was with Freud. He was like a psychoanalyst guy with Freud. And at some point, he realized that the sexual impulse or the orgasmic impulse was more than just what happened between a man and a woman during sex. Oh, yeah. That it was actually the energy of the universe. And that it could be worked with in an intelligent way, that humans had been given the intelligence to notice this and actually find ways to concentrate orgone for healing purposes in the body. Um, you can read overviews of this or watch it on Gaia TV with David Wilcox yeah. series. I think it's programs somewhere around 124, 125. Okay. He did a series on Wilhelm Reich. Um, and there's still an orgone university, I think, somewhere where people can make these orgone boxes or these long pipes that channel orgone and direct it in certain directions. Um, I have no personal experience, but you know, I was very moved by the stories uh, of people uh, involved in this. So, through through intimacy, we're doing the argument thing with the, somebody else? No? So, yeah, what you were saying was you're starting out as Freud. You're going to the bar to find to find sexual union. Okay, I see. And, but now you've moved into Wilhelm Reich going, you know what, there's something beyond there's this. Something there's something beyond a, this, yeah. Yeah, there's another union that's uh, on a whole other level, and it's it's also orgasmic in its own way, and it's it's so much more vast in possibility. Oh yeah. Then yeah. Then then right. You know, making babies or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's beautiful, you know that that we continue to replay our our cultural history as well as our biological history. Hmm. So that was a beautiful replay. It just brought that to mind. Isn't we're, that great? Yeah. We're replaying. We're in the screenplay where Reich leaves Freud. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, there's a there's a movie right there. I mean, you know, there's a whole movie <laughs> right there. Just you know, telling that story. Maybe the girl yeah. then teaches him about the Reich way, and he's in the Freud way, or whatever. Or they teach sure. each other, right? Yeah. Are they both in that Freud way and they wear themselves out and say, what else is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this sex thing is just not getting it, you know. Sure. That's funny. Yeah, I've, I've long had this theory that we, we are literally and can make love with somebody else, our significant other, if both people are uh, in tune and willing without touching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe the whole touching thing things. was just to, you know, God did it just just to make babies. 
Yeah, and you know, I'm, it's uh, yeah. I'm just gonna see if I oh, that, that that made, made a difference in my yeah, clarity. That, that looks a little clearer. Yeah, a little more moss clarity. Oh my gosh, moss clarity. Wow, that looks. What'd you that do? Looks better. What'd you do? Wow. Well, you know, every every now and then, an actual practical thought occurs to me. <laughs> <laughs> every, every now and then, I have a critical thought that comes in and says, "Let's do that." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was making up stories that this is lack of the virus protector that keeps scaring me on the screen. Wrong know? story. Wrong, uh, wrong story. Yeah, I think I grabbed the camera thing with my thumb one day picking up the computer. <laughs> it's a little simpler <laughs> than wrong story. I don't know. That's oh, it's just, uh, oh my gosh. That's funny. I don't know if I'm Larry, Curly, or Mo. Yeah, well, we're all of the above, right? That's a trinity. <laughs> That's the trinity, baby, the early... <laughs> Curly, Larry, and Moe—that's the Trinity. Forget the, <laughs> forget the other thing, man. <laughs> no wonder we like those those three Stooges thing. If you like yeah. to talk to Richard Massey uh, at uh, you know, um, if you're brave enough, triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick One Radio Network dot com. Let me do a little break here, and we'll be back. You got a few more minutes? Can you hang out? Oh yeah. Oh baby. Okay, because Ray Pete is not here, so we have more time. Uh, what am I going to do? I just lost. Oh, I knew I was going to do this one. Okay. Previously, with Daniel Vitalis on one of our premier products. And pine pollen comes in at this time in history as this important player in the herbal world, in our pharmacopoeia, in our apothecary, providing us with male hormones. And it's not because we want to become MMA meatheads who just, rah, testosterone, it's nothing like that. It's that we need testosterone to have uh, healthy motivation levels, to have vigor, to feel purpose. And when a person's testosterone levels get really low, they get kind of depressed, lethargic. They start to wonder what the point of life is. They start going around saying, I just need to feel more energy. Right. You know what I can take for more energy? And often it's just low testosterone levels. So pine pollen is just this crucial player. And we've brought it to market. It must have been six years ago now. And it has been wildly successful because it's helping so many people. Well, it's very popular around here, as you know. The pine pollen gold is the main product. And if you want to leverage its potency even more, four peas, they call it. has some stinging nettle and some other good things, which kicks it up a notch. Click and order any survival link on OneRadioNetwork.com. Previously with Daniel Vitalis talking about elk velvet antler from survival. Elk antler or deer antler products are probably the most regenerative substance that we can find in nature, at least for mammals. A couple things that I think are really cool about it is mm -hmm. that it's got six types of collagen. Yes, yeah, so that's that. really that's really amazing. When you think about the antler of an elk or a deer, these are an organ that grow in just three months' time and then fall off, and the very next year they grow back. Mammals don't typically regenerate organs that fall off, but antlers from all of the cervid mammals are completely regenerated. In order for them to regenerate, they need to contain substances that cause regeneration, and that's like the 24 growth factors that we find in elk velvet antler. Regeneration, we like that word. Growth factors, we love that word. For boys and girls, that's you. Exclusively from Sir Thrival and exquisitely produced. Daniel Vitalis, OneRadioNetwork.com. Indeed, you little puppy, puppy dogs listening, and kitty dogs. 
we have pine uh, elk velvet antler on sale. Use promo code GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, for those of you who went to public school. <laughs> GROWTH, and it's through the 19th. So we have what? Is it three more days? Yeah. GROWTH and Easter Thrival link on OneRadioNetwork.com for elk velvet antler. This elk, these antler things are pretty amazing. Do you know that they drop these, these things get huge, right? And they drop them off every year. I mean, it's crazy. And then they grow them again. I mean, what's up with that? And then these are farm raised in New Zealand. And then it's like, come on, it's, it's crazy. How can it even be possible to grow the whole thing again? And then they get this, uh, uh, they call it velvet off of the antlers. They don't give them a drug or, or tourniquet. Uh, I think they haven't watched the news and the, and the elk just go to sleep. And, and then they just take the velvet and they make this product. So it's really incredible living product that you take. And it's been used in Chinese medicine for a long time, thousands of years. And just, it's a growth thing, you know? I mean, how do you grow a whole antler? You know, it's like, what's up with that? So it's on Sir Thrival on OneRadioNetwork.com. Quick little plug here for our sauna. I'm in mine at least once a day. Last night I was in there, I think two times because I forgot to go to sleep last night. You know that song? I didn't sleep at all last night. Well, there you go. Um, I'm still working on that. It's, um, who knows? Anyway, uh, you can get in the sauna and enjoy it. You'll sweat and you'll, you'll detox a lot. They've actually done studies where you can take, uh, you can actually take a, a thing that forces more toxins out of your body. Dr. Massey will know the name. Dr. Massey, I, I won't put you on camera, but what's the name of that when you take something to make more toxins come out? What do they call that? I mean, it's a detoxifier or whatever. Uh, Isn't there a word for that that thing where you, if you're going to do like a urine sample, you take something? Oh, like a chelator. A chelator, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks, you can, go, you can go back to sleep now. Yeah, uh, you take a chelator and you see how much uh, toxins are coming out of the urine, you know, mercury lead or whatever, and then you sauna for 30 minutes and you take the urine out again and there's actually more yuck stuff that comes out in the urine. True, they've done this research on the relaxana. I mean, what's that about? So obviously we're getting rid of more goobies, which is a medical term I learned in medical school, goobies, when we do a sauna, not just through the skin, which is big. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, really. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to play doctor when I was a kid, so I went to medical school, and, but um, you know, it's, it's a long story. Anyway, the sauna, and just email me if you want the if you want the sauna. Patrick, OneRadioNetwork.com. That's the only way to get the price of twelve ninety five. The only way. To email moi, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. From the Hill Country in Texas, mm-hmm. broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Dr. Richard Massey talking about all kinds of fun things. Well, let's see, where did we leave it? We were reaching God through orgasm or something. So, so do you... Do you <laughs> that's a pretty good spot. That's a pretty good spot to be. <laughs> so so could there possibly be something with this whole Montauk Chia and all these ideas of using, um, and the Taoists talk about this, of using um, physical intimacy for spiritual growth kind of thing. I guess there's ways to play with that, isn't there? 
Apparently so. Tantra. I have friends who do Tantra. Uh huh. Yeah. Probably a good pickup line, Tantra in the bars. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to do some Tantra? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Stephen Chang, who is one of my gurus at Taoist, he wrote a book called The Tao of Sexology. And they go through all these different, do you know that they have actually different positions of intercourse that heals different organs in the woman's body? Wow. They were really into it. I mean, just like, isn't that crazy? He's wow. Wow. Figured it okay. out. Sounds right to me. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much we don't really understand about the boy-girl thing. <laughs> yes. You think after all these lifetimes we figure it out, but you know. Yeah. At this time, you and I were born into an empire-building culture. And uh, so we're getting to see what that's like. Oh, in the 40s? Like. the 40s. and When were you born? Uh, 49. Yeah, I was 46. So mm-hmm. what does that mean, empire-building? So this was after the war, right? Well, I mean, our culture in general is an empire-building culture versus cultures that have never tried to uh, genocide another race right. in order to take their stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. We we got born into that. We got born into the descendants of perpetrators. At least I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's a that that's been a big shadow to to look at and walk into and discover that it's not what I thought it was. Yeah. So, um, so, so there's this energetic thing being born into a government that facts, they've been stealing people's stuff, uh, you know, forever, right? Forever. Goes way back, right? Goes way back. Um, yeah. So that's our karma dharma to be here with these people, and uh, do you have any tricks on, I guess we just don't get involved with them, spiritually and emotionally and physically, and pay our taxes so and go down the road, right? Just, okay, I'm done. So everybody will have a different path, and after having done Byron Katie worksheets for some time, uh, Katie took the opportunity to use every pattern she saw as a way to reprogram this innocently inherited neurological system that we got. So I look to see where in me am I stealing from others Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to feel okay about myself. Yeah. Uh, Encroaching, Encroaching another space, right? Yeah, yeah. Where am I genociding um, in the sense of I don't really see them for who they are. Right. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to see them. Um, And so I I get to look at that and I can use that as a place to begin my own self-forgiveness and reprogramming this which took that all in with just one perspective. And now there's other perspectives. There are actually some gracious perspectives that can be experienced 
Um, but the beginning point is whatever troubles me. You know, if I'm troubled by something, that's a beginning point. To for, look into that, to look into it. Because <clears throat> it turns out that every limiting belief that I innocently inherited, <laughs> the exact opposite of that limiting belief sets me free. Yes. So the, my limiting beliefs are vital to know. Yes. Because I can turn those around once I see them. Yeah, you can say, well, it's not like that. It's it's this way. It's like yeah. you know, aging or healing. You know, people yeah. say, well, that's that's um, permanent. You can't heal that. Yeah, but you can get to the point where you say, well, I don't know. Maybe I can. Yes. Or I believe I so can. Whatever. Our first uh, Gestalt class that we had last year where we set up a chair here and set up a chair here. Mm -hmm. We asked people to visualize whoever they're having the most trouble with. And one young woman, imagine Anthony Fauci in the other chair. Really? And uh, as we started working with that, she just had a murderous energy toward this guy. I mean, just, you know, the veins are standing up in her neck. Yeah, a lot of people she, do, right? Yeah screaming at that empty chair like yeah i would kill you if i could you know mm -hmm. what you're doing to our babies and you know just really going at it and then in the heat of that i asked her to switch over and sit in anthony fauci's chair uh -huh. and all of a sudden her posture changed she came into this buddha-like peaceful place and had absolute clarity about everything that was going on. Clarity, in other words, seeing that this behavior was not productive for healing. She had clarity that she was back inside of her own body and in charge of all her faculties. And I had her say, this is my birthright experience of myself that I'm feeling right now. What do you mean birthright experience? Like her anger at Fauci was her right to do that if she wanted it's to? It. No, her no. anger with Fauci is her gateway into oh. experiencing her true self. Ah, because it's always, it's always what's troubling us that is the yes. gateway. It's the gateway. That's right. Always what's troubling us. Yep. Pain, disease. Yeah. And you could see it on her. I mean, the whole group could see it. She just transformed in that moment. Wow. And uh, interestingly, she got down so deep with it that she's actually taken off on this career path that's exciting for her um, that she really wasn't noticing. Um, yeah, it was keeping, so, her, keeping her from moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah that very thing, because all her power was being projected outward toward her image of someone else. Whether it's factually correct or not. Doesn't matter. <laughs> the person still loses their power to move forward. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, one of my teachers, Paul Twitchell, wrote in his book, The Flute of God, I've often remembered is this idea that when we create something in our mind or heart that we don't like, it's our job to move into it, 
because we have to take responsibility for what we've created. Isn't that, yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I've always liked that. Yeah. Take responsibility for what we've created. It's the only way out or in. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's exactly. The, it's the only yeah. way out or in, you know. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, which that's, is going back beautiful. to, yeah, it's a really beautiful thing going back to um, the Sufi thing where in meditation you're not going in. You're just learning how to not be bothered by it. Mm -hmm. Right? You can do that. Get quiet and... Mm, but is it still around? <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And conversation... Conversation. ...really resolves it. Yes. Because we end up turning that limiting belief to its opposite. And as soon as we really experience that, so when she shifted to that other chair, she felt that in her body. Yeah. Like you said, feeling is feeling. the important part. She felt For it. this incarnated being, feeling is vital. She felt what it was like to sit here and be on the receiving end of all that rage coming toward her. And it had no effect. She was just totally in bliss, hmm. perfectly present in her own body. And it happened in a moment of time. I mean, my teacher used to tell me we're all six feet away from our true self, <laughs> from feeling our true self, you know. Um, yeah. But we're sitting in the accusation chair, you know, going, it's you. It's my wife, it's my boss, it's the IRS, it's the, it's something. you know, it's Anthony Fauci, it's, you know, and, and that's a great starting place. People can put the IRS in the chair, give them the chairs, the give way them, I like to say it. Give them the chair. You yeah. know, it's not like the electric chair, you know, give them the chair and, uh, and let them have it and then switch to the other chair and just this sense of peace comes back into the body. Because at the end of the day, we are all one, and they they are part of us, and we're part of it. And so what are, what are you going to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what yeah. are you going to do with them, you know? You want to be mad at them? Or, right, it yeah. Just, it yeah, serves no useful purpose, right? There's no useful purpose. Right, wow. right. Because there will be a, anybody that I'm reacting to or anything I'm reacting to, there's a part of my programming that's like that. And it gives me an opportunity to reprogram something so that my brain now has a whole different idea of possibilities and it can listen to my own heart more clearly. Because this is just continually sending orgasmic bliss up to the brain, which is, you know, taking in it every now and then and other times it's going, but no, look at this, but no, look at this. No, we can't you know? do that. No, we can't do that. <laughs> That'd be right. too good. I can't do that. Yeah, that would be too good, you know. Yeah, this this idea like that one screenplay line about the guilt and our guilt um, um, and shame, I think it's a big one for all of us to figure out and look at to really move forward spiritually, isn't it? To not, to not mm -hmm. think that we can't, that we don't deserve divine yes. love or unconditional love. 
because why? How could we deserve it? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I did that. Well, that's dumb. How could I deserve? How could I deserve God? I mean, come on, right? Right? How could I deserve yeah. God? You know, I mean, I mean, I did that like two weeks ago. Do you know what I said to that person? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I know, right? Like ah, ah like okay. <laughs> but I've said this often on my show, and I really believe it, Doc. That I, there is, there is not one entity, one person. On energy, whatever word you want to use, my experience that um, really cares what I do or gives me a hard time for what I do, except me. Mm-hmm. God just loves us. I don't care if we've just knocked off a Seven Eleven. God still loves us on the way out. You got to deal with the karmic of Seven Eleven, but God hasn't stopped loving us. No. <laughs> well, that was rich. What are you going to do now, dude? You know. <laughs> You know, it's karma you create when you shoot a gun at somebody in the Seven Eleven, but yeah, God still loves yeah. us. God, you know, God doesn't leave us. Isn't that cool to think about that? Yes. Yeah. So Tim Blake Nelson, remember in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't remember that gets, one. Yeah. He gets baptized down in the river, right. and he comes out and he says, "The preacher says." I'm cleansed of all of my sins. <laughs> Even that piggly wiggly I knocked over. <laughs> Just like we were talking about. Even that pig wiggly, piggly wiggly. Yeah, boy, that's why the whole sin thing is very troublesome to get involved in, right? Because how can <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, how can you move yes. forward if you think yes. that you've sinned? Yeah. Boy, it's a tough one, man. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to think that it just the original of sin was like, you know, I want to go this way. I can see where the bullseye is, right. but but I'm going this way. It it meant to miss the bullseye. It had no moral idea to it at all. Oh, that's sin where the word sin not, comes from, isn't it? Missing the bullseye. It's an archery term. It it means to not hit the bullseye. Really. And the old Bible verse that the sins of the fathers are visited on the children for seven generations or something like that. It just means that if people in my family shoot to this way and they miss the bullseye on this side for seven generations, there's going to be a tendency to miss the bullseye that way. Oh, that's what the Bible says. So if you know that, then you can, you know, adjust, right? Right. It's, it's made to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. but it's, it's being read as, oh my gosh, I sin. have seven generations of sin on my head, and oh, you know, what am I going to do? And you know, and then you then you have to ask this God, who you think is separate from you, to forgive right. you, and that yeah. goes down some black holes that are just, you know, yeah, well, they're really black. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I went to Our Lady of Perpetual Payments uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> I tell you what, man, we got smacked around with rulers. and we So my my late friend, Tony McRedman. What Tony was, McRedman Tony was Mc, the first holistic dentist I met. McRedman? Tony McRedman, he was, lived in San Antonio. He's deceased now, so I'm going to talk about him, and, and I think he'll probably laugh from wherever he is. So as I got to know Tony, he was raised Catholic. Yeah. And uh, and Tony, he said he just loved 
being in the church and doing all the church stuff, all the priests loved him and all this. Right. But it's the it's the night before his sixth birthday, and he finds himself lying in bed, having a conversation with God. And and they're talking about he's asking God. Would it be better if you took me tonight? Would it be better if I died tonight? Uh, because starting tomorrow, I'm responsible for my sins because I'll be six years old. Whoa. And and I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I want to live if I'm going to be responsible for my sins. So if it's better for you to take me tonight, I'm ready to die tonight. You know, because I want to go up in heaven and be with you. Yeah. Now, this is a five-year-old kid. Wow. And his, his understanding of Catholic doctrine, but, you know, that just cracked me up. So that's similar. They do this in most, a lot of different traditions, uh, confirmation and first communion and, you know, the whole thing. And bar mitzvah, they've all done this area where at some point you're, you're responsible for your sins. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've reached the age of accountability. Ooh. is is what they said in in the Baptist church. Oh, did it? and uh, yeah. So now there's an accountant. Oh, good. You know, yeah, good. keeping track of all of your somebody sins. keeping score. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody keeping score, and they didn't until you reach a certain age. I'm going to say something. I don't mean it to offend people. I was I was sitting in a <laughs> a group of folks where we were sort of telling some of our religious stuff in a in a way i mean yeah i'm grateful to the baptist church for me all too the for the catholics i love them you know they were the nuns were nice so, even, even though they whacked so, us so they were please cool don't, yeah, yeah I understand. please don't be offended by this so i changed the lyrics to this song and and it goes like this jesus loves the little children until they reach puberty <laughs> red and yellow black and white they are precious and inside jesus loves the little children of the world and that was my experience in church is there was all this love and all the loving jesus stories until <laughs> puberty happened and now you're kind of a dangerous animal you know and uh you know yeah. capable of doing anything doing all these simple things yeah um paul Tuchel writes about um one of my teachers said early on the baptism ceremony was a ceremony of water over the top of the head to leave the head open so mm. soul could go back and forth to god most of us leave our body through the top of the head. You can do it through the heart, but you can we can do it a lot of different ways. But you go through the top of the head. So that's what the service was, to say to the little kid, okay, baby, you just came in, but you can go back to God all the time, your whole life, soul travel, go back and talk to him. Oh, and I've you, never heard that. Isn't that beautiful? And you go through the top of your head. So that's what the water was to, to um, permeate that opening. Oh, my goodness. To, to fix that I opening. No idea. Isn't that cool? To fix that opening. And, of course, then the church turned it into washing away the sins, as religions will tend wow. to do. 
Patrick, Isn't I can't good? tell you how many arguments I got in in elementary school. How about that? Uh, with a friend who recently died, Michael Lejeune. Um, and we would argue about whether baptism by dunking, which is what us Baptists right. believe. You guys went all the way the yeah. way that, That's the only way God liked it. And and you guys are over there sprinkling and you're doing it all wrong, you know. <laughs> and we would get into these arguments over this. In elementary school, this is consuming our life energy. And uh, that is so cool to hear that. So you've relieved me of elementary school karma. Oh, good. Just yeah, see, get rid of that. hearing that story. Nice. Baptism. Baptism. Yes. That's beautiful. Hmm. Pretty trippy, huh? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that opening in the top of the head for biology, I'll run one quick biology sure. story. By you. So some people I just know really, really well, and that's all I'll say. Um, one of the babies couldn't come out. So the doctors put the suction cup on the head and pull the baby out, right? Mm-hmm. And what it caused was the bones on the top of the head fused together. They got inflamed and they fused together. Oh, in that soft spot? In that soft spot? Yeah, and you're supposed to have that soft spot until about 14 months old. Hmm. If you don't have that, whenever the pressure changes, there's no place for the brain and the fluid to expand. Oh, that's what the soft spot's about. Yeah. As the brain is growing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Right. Right, so you got to have that soft spot there. It's called a fontanelle, but that fontanelle closed. Now the head is about the father in biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, feet are the mother. They're on Mother Earth. The head's in Father Sky. This little person's fontanelle closed because the mother kicked the father out of the house during the pregnancy, and did not want father having access to the baby so the baby's biology literally closes the opening to the father before the suction out no after the suction and the whole biology sets it up so that the suction is needed and so that in her the suction causes that closing which it doesn't do all the time right and so here the baby's biology is being loyal to mom saying yes we've got to keep dad out Mm. so it closes and i know another person who had their baby and was longing for the father to come back the father left on his own he wasn't thrown out she continually longed for him to come back and this baby's fontanelle would not close it persisted for years. There was a soft spot on the top of the head for years, keeping the opening available for the father to come back. Hmm. So the biology does whatever it needs to, to do right. to love the parents as they were at that time, right? And when we know that story, we can say it over the baby when they're little, and it will reprogram their subconscious. Say what over the baby? Oh. This is the way it is. You don't have to carry this. What happened between me and your father is between me and your father. Mm -hmm. You have my blessing to not carry that conflict in your body. 
you can let your head bones be exactly as they're supposed to be and let me and dad work out what's going on with us. For you, you will always be half me and half dad, right? And you say those things over them while they're asleep and the biology changes. Uh, this is a great question from Cher. I really enjoy when you have Dr. Massey on. So if my mom and dad are dead, no longer here, can I talk to them now and just reprogram things that I had going on with them? Thanks. Yeah, I guess. You know, for me, it looks that way. And I know all the Baptist listeners will probably turn everything off now if they haven't already. <laughs> uh, we already lost them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, but, you know, it looks that way. And I often ask people to lie down and imagine that they're a young child falling asleep and the heart of their parents, not the personality of their the parents. Heart. The heart of their parents is standing at their bedside, mm. blessing them. Blessing and them. to just take that in at their heart level and then let that reprogram this. So anything that could be going on, that just kind of dissolves and it just kind of... <clears throat> Yes. So let's say she has some physical ailment. So in biology, what we call a physical ailment is a remembering of the love story of how mom and dad were from the conception to one year old. So we imagine we have her lie down, pretend she's sleeping or go into a light self-hypnosis and imagine her parents from the heart, standing by her bedside saying, we see that you've carried this out of loyalty to us, and it's an expression of your love for us, how we were when you began. You now have our blessing to not carry this anymore. Hmm. You have our blessing to have a healthy body and live a long, healthy life and leave what was going on with us back with us the way we were at that time. We're the big ones. You're just the little one. You're too small to help us out. So we're giving you a blessing. Just be the little one. Enjoy being the little one and take our love and take the gift of life and enjoy. Wow. That's cool. So you just do this in your imagination and feel it and be, mm -hmm. uh, get into yeah. it as much as you can, right? Just. Yes. Yes, and for people who have an M-wave, they can put on their M-wave and they'll be able to feel, feel their own heart biofeedback telling them that they have hit a key sentence, a sentence that's reprogramming. And once that little green light comes on and that green tone sound comes on, then they can sit with that. And as Rick Hansen would say, sit with that for 20 seconds and let it reprogram the nerve connections. And that's what it does when we clear this out in the, in the mind, right? It reprograms in the brain. It just, yeah, I, the, I guess it's just light, right? It's just, the brain is just, yeah. just light. It's the not love, like it's permanent. Love, it's nothing. The love from the heart just goes up and reprograms. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, it's really a challenge when we we have the idea that this stuff in our body is permanent, or hardwired, or you know, mm-hmm. we yes. have we have this. We have cancer cells that have to be dealt with, or you know, a physical tumor or physical. I don't know, you know, just physical stuff that's mm-hmm. painful. Yes. The more physical we make it, the more painful it is, right? Yes. And for me, once I find the love story underneath a physical manifestation, we're pretty much out of trouble, you know? And the love story is what exactly? Again, go to the love story is how we created it and and forgiveness in the whole whole point. So so let me tell you, let me tell you one about a good Catholic girl who got pregnant as a teenager. Tell me what that means, Patrick. You grew up Catholic. It means uh, you're kind of uh, an outcast, and and people think you're terrible, and you know, mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. a bastard, and God knows what. Yes. So her parents actually sent her away. Wow. To a place run by nuns. Wow. To have her baby there with no family members present. That's hardcore. And the nuns, she tells me, would come by with married couples with their babies, and they would come into the room and introduce them and say, see, if you had been married, you could be happy like these people. I just got goosebumps. That's terrible to do that to a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is what's going on during her pregnancy. little 16 year old girl so now she's on her own with nuns who are behaving like this and um Hmm. when she has her baby and of course she and she and her the man who got her pregnant the man she loved they got married he was 17 uh and neither one of them could earn enough money to eat well and she was sick inside at the idea that her breast milk wouldn't be enough for her baby. Like, we can't even afford enough food to really feed ourselves, much less have the extra for this baby. So one day, she made a decision to shoplift groceries. And this is a big decision because if she gets caught, not only would her baby not have good breast milk, she could go to jail and not be able to give any breast milk, right? So this is a huge conflict moment for her where she's choosing, in a way, the welfare of her baby, the love for her baby, is putting her in a kind of a danger. Yeah. So she doesn't let herself feel that. She doesn't let herself appreciate that this is about the love for her baby. It all gets covered over in the fear of getting caught shoplifting. Or the guilt of doing it too, I guess. Or the guilt of doing it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the love for the baby gets covered over with all these other things, gets buried underneath these feelings, right? 
biology always revisits that. Biology never wants us to get away with forgetting a love story. Biology meaning the body? This program up here, this neurological system, because it was conceived, birthed, and nursed in unconditional love for my mother and my father, it always wants to see how it is continuing to replay love stories. It never lets a love story be buried forever. It just won't tolerate it. The nervous system will not tolerate it. It wants to actually observe and enjoy how it's continuing to live out the love it received at conception and birth and infancy. It wants to repeat that over and over in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. So here the love story of her baby is lost. It's lost in the fear and the guilt and all the emotions of shoplifting. Now she's on the anniversary of that. So the brain replays things in cycles, right? 16, 32, 48. Here we are at 48, and we have a lump in the breast. Wow. And as Dr. Hammer discovered, every tumor, and this is a tumor of the milk gland, and basically what that is is when the brain says, I am going to make turbo breast milk. I am going to activate the stem cells in this milk producing gland so that it makes incredibly nutritious breast milk. That's how all glandular breast cancers begin. The beginning and the middle of every tumor is pure stem cells. Stem cells. Yes the things that we might take for rejuvenation, Mm -hmm. right? Well, the brain can activate the stem cells that are already in there. So right on this anniversary, her brain rebuilds extra groceries Hmm. in her breast to remember how much love she had for a baby and wanting to nourish this baby that she would be willing to risk jail. And when we realized that, and this is the, this is one of the cool parts. The thing that tipped us off to this is the tumor appeared right where she used to hide the food that she shoplifted. She would put it under that, that under the bra on that side. Wow. And when I told her that it was just the story of extra groceries to have better breast milk, she just broke down crying. And that's when she told me the story, and she's in remission now. It's just going away. Well, yeah. I mean, once it's done its job to remind the person of the love, what what else is there? That's why it was there. So it's trying to remind her of the love and to let go of the guilt and fear, right? just to remember how much she loved her baby. So for the guilt part, what we did for the guilt guilt part is I asked her to write a check uh, or get a money order so it's more anonymous. And 
send it to the grocery store okay. that she used to shoplift from and tell them, thank you for the groceries. I took them without your permission. I'm sorry about that. I'm sending this money as a way of making amends. And you help my baby have better nutrition. Thank you so much. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's how we really kind of change the past. You know, yeah. Because it's all going on in the present and we just change, change yeah. the past. Yeah. Wasn't Abraham Lincoln or somebody that he walked all this way just to return a penny that he owed with that idea? Wasn't that that's how the story so. that's how the Some story, story goes. Like that's that. how the story yeah. goes. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. That's what a great story. Isn't that a good story? And it actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> it actually happened, yeah, it's even a better story. <laughs> I saw something, I saw an article about cesarean sections I wanted to ask you, and they're actually showing this baby that's in this ball of stuff. Is that how they come out? Are they all? Yeah, if the water hasn't broken yet. If the water hasn't broken. Be, yeah, they'll be inside that sack of amniotic fluid. Is that what it is? And they, they break that and then the baby... Mm-hmm. hangs out yeah is that when the baby takes its first breath so that's another story here Patrick so <laughs> we got a lot of stories uh, we like them so remember when the baby is still attached the umbilical cord is attached to the placenta the baby does not need to breathe okay even after it's out in the air, it has zero need to breathe because it's getting oxygen through the belly button. The blood that's coming through there already has oxygen in it, which is the wisdom, I think, of saltwater births. Huh. So the baby is born underwater, comes out underwater, and just swims around for a while. Because he's hooked up. It, doesn't, it has no need to breathe. No. Yeah, so so it's like the old scuba diver thing where they had the you know the oxygen came through a tube and went in their helmet, so the baby can just swim around underwater, and then when it's ready, it finds the mom's leg, and crawls up to the breast and begins to breastfeed. And in our culture, the way we do things is we biologically inform this baby, you are on a time clock. As soon as you pop out, we cut your cord. If you don't breathe, you're not gonna make it. This is how we do things in our culture. Mm -hmm. You don't get to have your natural timing, right? And we're gonna stick things down your throat. We're gonna suck stuff out of your throat. Um, We're gonna give you a shot of some stuff that, yeah, Probably not all that great for you. We're gonna put goo in your eyes so you can't see clearly, but it's gonna be bright white light. You're gonna be cold. You're gonna have somebody who doesn't know you wipe all the stuff off your skin. Um, and th- yeah, look at your face. That's that's our beginning, that, that, that's it. And then we right? maybe I can mean, even uh, cut some skin off your penis too. Oh yeah, yeah, give oh, yeah. us a few days and we'll start whacking off parts, you know. <laughs> and uh, and 
And Meridian, you know, her Meridian's wisdom as a mother was she did the lotus birth. And she kept her son's placenta covered in a wet cloth and kept it next to him until the umbilical cord fell off of him by itself. Really? That's pretty trippy. Which means that all the growth factors, all the stem cells, and all the good exosomes went into her son. Nowadays, we take umbilical cords in this culture and we throw them away. Or sell them for stem cell. Yeah, yeah. or sell them for stem cells or exosomes, right. And uh, But it's just a, wow, it's an abrupt beginning yeah. to just take this little baby who could be swimming around underwater and going, wow, the amniotic sac just got really big. This is pretty cool. Give them a sense of possibility, you know, and go, oh, look, I see my first mermaid, I think, you know, and that's right. mom. Right. And they go, oh, look, this mermaid loves me and food is going to come out of her breast. Wow. That's oh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I, don't even need, I don't even need to breathe yet. You know, this is all right. I'm getting free food through my belly button. I'm learning to suckle food. Uh, through this mermaid, this magical mermaid that I met in the water, and uh, mm. you know. So, if all these things are going on in utero, even you know moments after the conception, and then the stem cell does that dance that you talked about. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, is that an argument at all, or does it even matter? of when soul comes into the body i mean i mean yeah i don't i don't know patrick wow that's i mean that's a big one isn't it? it's like okay i mean you don't kill souls so it doesn't matter i mean it doesn't matter but you know if you have a choice to abort the baby then the soul Mm -hmm. just goes somewhere else or comes back again for another try but it's an interesting question you know Mm -hmm. some, some states are doing this heartbeat law now. Have you heard that? Where they're I have. Yeah, they're doing a thing where if you can hear a heartbeat, well then you you it's not that legal or to abort, right? Ah, okay. Hey, my friend Stephanie just showed up. Come on in, Stephanie. Now we're we're finishing up our podcast. We were talking about love stories. You can come in and say hi if you don't mind being on. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm being. Oh, this is my friend Stephanie who does family constellations. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, world. sweetie. How you doing? Hello. She's back from Mexico and coming by to visit. And we're going to catch up on constellation stuff. How are How are things in Mexico? Did you have fun? They were all good. A lot of fun. A lot of uh, new experiences. A lot of. Uh, I guess the colorful times. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've met some people of late, Stephanie, that that are in Puerto Vallarta area, and they really, they really love that. Do you know where that is? That's that's way west, right? Way west, isn't it? That's on the beach, and it's beautiful. Yeah, there's a large uh, American community, international community there. Uh huh. We'll give you the seat here. Yeah. Yeah, Stephanie, you get the chair here. The chair. We're going to give Stephanie the chair. So do you think a lot of that talk about, you know, just the press and all this whole drug lords and how dangerous, do you think that's all overblown or is is it, can it be dangerous down there, I guess? It could be dangerous anywhere, right? Well, it could be dangerous anywhere. And um, 
Puerto Vallarta is one of the safest places to be because the drug lords take care of it. Oh, they they, they run the show, right? They run the show. So it's ironic in that, you know, uh-huh. it works somehow. Um, but like, one of the main reasons tourists are protected uh-huh. is because of the drug lords. The drug lords don't want to lose their clients. <laughs> Very ironic. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Sicily and the Mafia, right? Same thing, same idea. Yeah. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Same idea, yeah. So you just don't want to get caught in the crossfire, and, you know, you never know where that's going to be. Right, yeah. So. Would you ever live down there? Would you ever live down there? Oh, yeah. Would I, you? I would. Would yeah. you? I'm yeah. from there, so. Yes. <laughs> uh. And would you tend to move towards a Puerto Vallarta area or other places? You know, the beach sounds nice. All the beaches are really nice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the central part, San Miguel de Allende, and other small towns They're pretty cool. in the central part are also nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I've heard that, uh, politically, I heard that this Mexican president's pretty cool, isn't he? Isn't he doing a thing with non-GMO corn soon? You know, I don't know about huh. the non-GMO corn situation. He He's a president that um, a lot of people don't like because he's way too uh, a little scary socialist. Yeah, right. uh, a little on, yeah. on the lefty side. A little, yeah. a little too much. Yeah. Um, he's trying to make changes that are not good, not democratic, let's say. But he tries to appear that way, so you you don't know what's going on uh, yeah. with him. Yeah, which is pretty much politics in general, right? We just never know. It's all just made up. Absolutely. It's all performance art anyway, right? Exactly well, nice to talk to you. You look great, and uh, welcome back home. Same here, and well, here you are uh, on one right on time, one radio network, and you guys are going to hang out a little bit. You believe that? Yeah, yeah. So we will, and thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Rich. Okay. Thank you. Nice to meet you, sweetie. Okay, Doc. Uh, nice to meet you too. We'll see you real soon, Doc. I love you. Thanks for everything. Let me put your thing. Love up you here. too. Maybe I'll see you at the Greater Reset if you're going. Oh, oh yeah, you mentioned that. What is that? Uh, Bastrop. That's in Bastrop. When is that happening? It starts Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Really. Maybe what, on Sunday too. What are we going to do? Reset the, reboot the world? What are we going to do with that? Yes, it's about a bunch of people who are starting parallel communities, learning how to do their own farming, how oh. to do their own care, all that kind of stuff. So oh, cool. Did, did you yeah. send me info on that? Maybe I'll run out there and see what's going on. Okay. Would you? Sounds good. All right, Stephanie, I uh, love you. And uh, Dr. Massey, love you. We'll see you guys. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Doc, for being on the show. Over two hours. Great hey, stuff. You're welcome. Really My good pleasure. stuff. Thank you. Uh-huh. Richard Bye-bye. Messi, Stephanie, and uh, Patrick Tempone in one radio network. Dr. Massey's a really cool guy, isn't he? Yeah, maybe he's a cool guy. So we are going to talk to a lady tomorrow that um, has written a book that says, You Are the Expert. That's right. You are the expert. We've been talking quite a bit about that. Uh, of late with all of our conversations we've had about you know carnivore and keto and more fat and and uh, people coming on and tell you well if you just do this well then 
you know, live to be 120. And, you know, we're, I fell into the dogmatic carnivore thing for a couple months. And I thought it was like, oh, it's great. And I still eat a lot of meat and animal things. But um, um, you are the expert and you can figure out uh, what you what you want to eat. And we help you do that. You know, we do a little coaching thing and it's now changed to a donation only because I really got to thinking that pretty much what we do in the Patrick in Your Pocket coaching session is spiritual stuff. It's all spiritual, right? Everything's spiritual. It's all, it's all spiritual. So, I, you know, I really saw that and um, there's a little slide on it. And we were just charging a minimal amount and then you have unlimited email and uh, you get a audio. But we're changing it now to um, just a donation. Whatever you think it's worth after you go through the experience is you donate it to me. And it helps us. We earn some more dollars, which always are um, welcome. And then... If you don't get anything out of it, you don't do anything, and it's cool. Because it's not really cool, I don't think the word is cool, but it's not really that balance to charge for um, spiritual um, advice, which is what we do. We don't do medical advice. So if you like to do that, and I can help you to um, figure out, together we'll help you figure out where you might be stuck in any relationship or um Whatever, just talk for an hour or so, and then unlimited email support, and it's all in a donation. Just email me, Patrick, at oneradionetwork.com. Excuse got the hiccups. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. And then, uh, you know, I can't take on like lots, but I only have so much time, but, but I don't believe in time, so it'll work out. Um, David Volchek is going to be here tomorrow Uh, Darko Volchek and he talks a lot about fasting about fat, diet uh, vegetable, all kinds of things and he's going to be on uh, tomorrow at um, noon central time okay, so there you go I love you all very much, thanks for being here Dr. Massey was totally out of control Um, go to BitChute, find our our videos there. Subscribe and then pass on the audio links to people and on BitChute you can comment and then uh, it's really good stuff what we just spent two hours doing with Dr. Richard Massey who's way cool. I love you all very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. We'll see you in the morning at uh, 10 o'clock. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is One Radio Network dot com.